Welcome to the New Vision Podcast. New Vision, New Vision, covering the whole world. In 2020, a New Vision undercover journalist traveled to United Arab Emirates to investigate the realities of girls traveling to work as maids in Dubai. This time, New Vision got another undercover journalist to go through a licensed company and find out if regulations apply. The project, which took more than a year, reveals hallowing experiences of girls in detention camps in the center of Kampala, unacceptable mistreatment, violation of human rights, corruption, sex and drugs are going on under the nose of civil leaders and security organizations. We now bring you this series. Download the podcast episodes on Vision Digital Experience app on Play Store and App Store. Episode 7 I started this process of traveling to Saudi in August. When I registered, I was assured the travel would be in a matter of days. Now it was March, eight full months and I was still patiently awaiting my slot. It looks too much faith, but that is if you don't consider the way we were kept in the going tomorrow mode. Suddenly, my name appeared on the list of those to be trained in the pre-departure skills as demanded by the Ministry of Gender, Labor and Social Development. It was a breakthrough that I welcomed with excitement. But it didn't begin very well. Our administrators at Zion, Agnes the cashier and Rosetti the supervisor, wanted to throw me and another girl out of the vehicle, saying we needed to provide our original national IDs. I did not have it at that time and tried to plead that they accept the soft copy which was on my phone. Agnes said it was an order from Ahmed. Did they expect me to return home for it? How would I even trust them with my original ID? After consulting Ahmed, Agnes returned to announce that it was okay. Before we drove off, Rosette came with copies of our passports and read out name by name as we confirmed our presence. We were 33 girls in the first shift. We drove off without knowing our destination. All we were told was that it would be a training location. The road signposts indicated we were at Labor College of East Africa, Namuwongo campus on Bukasa Road. The back wall fence faces into Soweto slum. We found many other groups of girls from other companies. Others were in classes learning and commonly Every girl was in hijab or ashariya, long dress or skirt and sagging, their heads veiled. We looked out of place with our tight trouser wear. It was a school or institution of sorts. It was a large place encircled by a perimeter wall with a training hall, dormitories, offices and other buildings. There were so many girls from other companies like Atlas Recruitment Company, Explorer Dubai Limited, Eskom Link Limited, Skynet, Migade International Limited, Alfu Jairaha International. On arrival, on arrival, we were gathered in a classroom for briefing by the college staff. A dark-skinned tall gentleman 
I later discovered was Solomon Akankwasa. I started being scared someone who knew me would identify me. I pulled my face mask to cover most of my face. Suddenly, Akankwasa fixed his eyes on me and said, I know you. My heart missed a beat. It started pumping so hard that I feared he could be hearing it. He ordered me to remove my face mask. I removed slowly shaking my head and insisting, No, you don't. We have never met. I replied. He then laughed. Did he really know me or he was trying to bully me? Anyway, while briefing us, he gave us expectations while in the college. He told us that the dress code was key and those of us who were not in hijab must get one. He said our heads must be veiled between 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. while on training. The college prepares us to get used to the dress code. He also asked us to behave in a civil manner and be considerate of each other's tribes, religions and appearances. He said regardless of our differences, we were united by one mission to go to Saudi Arabia and earn 1 million shillings in exchange of our labor. The college canteen asked us to buy hijab at 8000 shillings. It must be either white or black. Aisha, the company operator from Zion, asked us to pay 3000 each and the company would contribute 5000. To our disappointment, she never brought for us the hijab at the canteen. She went to a window market and bought old and unironed hijabs smelling like used clothes. It was a residential training. Sleeping quarters were behind the main hall that hosted the training and each of us were asked to get a colleague to share a bed with. The dormitory had double decker beds. Each bed with two occupants. There was not enough space in corridors and girls would quarrel as they pulled beds apart in order to pass. Each bed had a mattress, so what was required was a bed sheet, blanket or duvet. In the second shift, 35 more colleagues from Zion were brought in and in the evening and later at night, more a hundred plus. A stranger girl asked to share bed with me and we slept differently, one facing in the head and another the foot to avoid facial contact. In spite of what Akankwasa had preached to us, there was no way we could achieve harmony with so many girls gathered together in one place. We were like co-wives gathered in one place, lots of envy, mockery, bullying, fights, gossips and discrimination. We had occupied two dormitories but we had one tap as the sole source of water. Bathrooms were on the opposite side and we needed to cross the road in towels. There were four bathroom spaces and only four toilets. Not enough for. So girls would urinate in the bathrooms, corridors and compound. More girls kept coming and others going back at the peak we were about 350 girls with more than a half coming from Zion 
a recruitment company. You can imagine the lines on one tap for water. The solution was to wait later in the night and fill your bucket with water and keep it under the bed. Theft was also high because we lost many things like veils, clothes, toothpaste and soap. Even private articles like knickers, bathing sponge, pads would be reported stolen. Whenever we washed, you had to keep monitoring your clothes while sun drying. And we weren't all young girls. In fact, the majority were mature women and mothers. They said they were tired of begging money from their husbands. Others were running away from domestic violence and others from bad marriages. Saudi Chea was the liberation opportunity. Let's go make our money. Our men will come kneeling and begging before us. I know my husband is already married even before I have left, but when I make money, he will come back. One of the girls bragged. Electricity sockets in the domes were disconnected to avoid us charging our phones. Phone charging was only allowed in three classrooms where over 300 people would fight for sockets and others would wait to charge while the rest were sleeping. Our company, Zion, sent one of the officials to see how we were faring and complained of congestion. That was unthinkable. The company which keeps us piled in a small space in Tuba was complaining that someone else was doing it too. You would imagine that they Zion people were playing games. No, they were not. They told the organizers that they were shifting us to another place. And indeed, they got a storied house in the neighborhood of the premises and shifted all girls from Zion from the crowded dormitories. We were about 200 people. But, while the others saw us as the blessed ones, we knew the realities. Even then, the storied house had bathrooms and toilets inside but were denied to use them. They were locked. Imagine the 200 girls using one bathroom and toilet. So, we sorted to bathing in the compound and some girls defecated in the compound too. We had a bucket for used pads but some girls would throw them anywhere in the compound. Yet, when it came to the laundry... We had no drying lines. We would wash and lay our clothes on the ground, only to find hands staping and defecating on them. How disgusting. We had to stay outside chasing away hands until clothes are dry. There were about four bedrooms and we occupied them all, including the living rooms and stores. There were double metal decker beds and each accommodated two people. Others had to sleep on the floor on a shared mattress. We were eight in our room with four mattresses. One day, we were asked to lay our beds that a visitor was coming to supervise us. They asked us to hide behind the house and no one was supposed to be seen by this visitor. Because we were sleeping too. They asked us to fold the mattress to look like one. My bedmate was dirty as the word would be. 
She would not shower and yet she had a four months old baby back home. Her breasts would leak into her bra or dress and she would still sleep in them. The syllabus contained the bulk of useless stuff but some measure of useful ones too. Classes were only three per day and the two permanent teachers were Solomon Akankwasa and Boaz Amporeire. What I found useless was like being taught how to behave well in homes, maintain hygiene, respect our bosses and also dress and veiling our heads. These were simple things you wouldn't expect training in. Most of it were rules that govern kadama. Kadama is an Arabic word for maid or in Ugandan speak, house girl. We were going to Saudi Arabia to be kadamas. So, they taught us how to not use a phone, not to eat or sleep before our bosses. I expected them to take us through our contracts and explain the legal basis for our protection, our rights and avenues for redress, but nothing like this happened. They had promised someone from the Ministry of Gender, but none appeared. The functional information I found useful was how to open saving diaspora accounts presented by one Jacob who came from Centenary Bank. In fact, after his talk, girls opened up accounts with Centenary Bank paying 10,000 shillings for account opening. Trainer Dennis Kanabi, who said he was a hotelier, taught us the proper way to do laundry. good personal hygiene and how to prepare good food we were also told how to operate appliances like washing machines blender oven and using a rice cooker najib yusufu taught us what happens in saudi arabia the arab culture their social behavior dress code feeding leisure and differences between there and uganda He also warned us to expect such challenges as language barrier, less sleep, homesickness, risk of body parts theft and different weather. Other challenges he said would be racism, different feeding, harsh bosses, insults, overworking, sexual harassment, hostile forces, but that whatever happens Yusuf asked us not to poke our noses into our employer's business or gossip about the family. He taught us basic words in Arabic like greetings. He also taught us basic words in Arabic like greetings, how to say cup, water, food, I am sick, man, woman, child, among others. For such a concentration of starved females easily set loose by life frustrations, hormones, need for preferential treatment and lack of supervising authority, you would expect organizers to prefer female teachers only. But there were all men. Men who never worked as kadama in Arab homes. First, they were militaristic. Akankwasa used to chase us with a stick back to class when we played truant after getting bored with lessons. One day, 
He poked my back with a stick and I turned to give him that dare you do it again look. But he backed back with, you again? He had previously thrown a piece of cloth at me. In the evenings, they would put music for us and line us up for exercises and counting before supper. Akankwasa would force us to sit down in line on the bare ground like primary kids. He would actually beat those who were slow or not conforming to his orders. One time, one of the girls threw a stone at him. Amporede was no joke too. He, together with Akankwasa, would come freely in our dormitories to call us for classes. They ignored girls who would face them naked either in protest or teasing them. They seemed to neither mind nor show interest. Still, girls used to seduce teachers, which was known as okwetega, or setting a trap. In the evenings, they would wear skimpy clothes and try to corner them in private places till the matron cam nurse complained about seducing teachers. Some girl even brought a rumor that some of the trainers were sleeping with some of the girls. Next week, finally flying out to Saudi Arabia. <laughs>